Hey, what's up? And thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Business Life and Coffee podcast, a virtual mentorship podcast for early stage entrepreneurs and busy professionals who care deeply about finding a balance between work and the rest of our lives. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, welcome. And if you're a longtime listener, welcome back. This episode is brought to you by our two sponsors, Jumpstart HR and Patreon, our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash BLC. It's an opportunity for you to show your support for the show while also getting some valuable perks. Uh, how are you doing, man? How is life? How was your week? If you are like me, you are probably still, still thinking about Kobe, Gianna, the others who lost their lives on the helicopter, and not only those who lost their lives, but the families that are picking up the pieces and moving forward in light of this horrible tragedy. I think that the untimely death of any um, celebrity or any life for that matter is uh, tragic. Um, but I think when people have such a huge impact on a, a sport or a field of industry or even just life in general um, for people in their space, it can be really, really tough to cope with the uh, tragedy that is the untimely passing. And I did want to have a uh, therapist to come on the show and talk about um, what it means to grieve over celebrities. And perhaps I will at a future date. Um, we just uh, had a last minute cancellation. And so that couldn't happen on this episode. But I wanted to just give recognition um, for the first show that I'm recording after hearing about Kobe's passing and just really give an acknowledgement of Kobe Bryant and um, just my condolences to uh, Vanessa and the family. Uh, and again, the other uh, family members who experienced loss as a result of uh, those who died on the on the helicopter. I think for me, the greatest legacy that I'll, I'll take from Kobe and his Mamba mentality is really just the role that he seems to tre treasure the most. Um, it wasn't basketball. It wasn't the role of uh, being an entrepreneur and venture capitalist, but really it was that of being a father and more specifically a father to uh, girls. Um, so being the girl dad. And uh, I had a quote on my Instagram that I pulled from, and I want to share that with you. This kind of, I think, represents his legacy a little bit as far as him as a father. So he was interviewed by the Los Angeles Times in October 2019. And this was after he had retired. He'd been retired for about three years. And so the question was, you know, why don't we see you at Laker games? Why don't we see you uh, on the court, on the sidelines, making appearances? And Kobe Bryant said to the Los Angeles Times, it's not that I don't want to go to Lakers games, but I'd rather be giving Bianca a shower and sing Barney songs to her. I played 20 years and I missed those moments before. For me to make the trip up to Staples Center, that means I'm missing an opportunity to spend another night with my kids when I know how fast it goes. I want to make sure that the days that I'm away from them are days that I absolutely have to be. I'd rather be with them than doing anything else. Powerful, powerful quote, powerful reminder, very timely lesson uh, about the importance of family and the importance of being there for those who matter most. And of course, Kobe is reflecting about this um, on the other side 
of his retirement, but even it's a challenge for us who are in the midst of climbing our corporate ladder, our entrepreneurial ladder, so to speak. It's a reminder to make sure that we take time for the people that are closest to us in life and that matter to us most. Um, whether that's family, whether that's close friends, whether that's people in your church, people in your community, heck, even your, you know, fantasy football league, uh, make sure that you're spending time with the people that matter most to you. All right. So if you can do that, I think we will all be better off. And it's a way to honor uh, Kobe's memory by being there and fully present with our family and friends. This week's Mama, I Made It is a special Super Bowl holiday edition because, of course, the Super Bowl is a holiday. And not only is the Super Bowl a holiday, but they need to make Super Bowl Monday a holiday as well because no one's getting work done after staying up late after the Super Bowl. I think President's Day should just be, be moved up to be the day after the Super Bowl so that there's an excuse to... um be off of work and celebrate uh, our presidents and um, recover from the madness of the Super Bowl. And Mama, I Made It, if you're tuning in for the first time, it's our weekly spotlight on entrepreneurs and change agents across the country. And this week's spotlight is on Katie Sowers. Now, if you don't follow sports, the name may not ring a bell, but Katie is actually the first female coach to coach in the Super Bowl. Now, she's not the first coach to coach in professional men's sport, but she is the first female to coach in the Super Bowl. And uh, Katie, again, we're recording this before the Super Bowl, so I'm not sure if they won or not. Uh, if they win, obviously, she would have gotten a Super Bowl ring. So she'll be the first female coach to have a Super Bowl ring as well, which would, I feel like it automatically uh, puts her in the Hall of Fame. However, um, she's the first female coach to coach in the Super Bowl. And what, why I think it is important to put a spotlight on Katie, I do have a, a article that I wanted to share with you guys from ESPN, but it's important to see that you know, this is the day and age where your dreams and goals, uh, you can really challenge just how impossible you think they are how, or how unattainable you think they are. I believe Katie started her uh, career uh, working for the practice squad of the Atlanta Falcons. And who knows how she got that start? Who knows how she got her opportunity? But once she got her foot in the door, it looks like she was a pretty good success. And uh, this ESPN article talking about uh, Katie being the first woman in the Super Bowl, it says, uh, here's a quote, one player who credits Sowers for much of his success is 49ers wide receiver Kendrick Bourne. Born into the league as an undrafted free agent in 2017 when Sowers was in her first year with the team and working primarily with wideouts. He said, I had two drops my first two targets and she calmed me down, Bourne said, just telling me not to get too overhyped and get over my head about it. I'm supposed to be there. She just gave me that reminder and I ended up going off that. So I always go back to that when she just called me down and mellowed me out. I was beating myself up about the drops and she kind of came over and gave me that little push. I will never forget that. I tell her to this day how much that helped me. And so Katie is really having an impact on the 49ers offense, which is uh, hands down one of the best offenses in the country in the NFL. 
But, you know, she's really making strides. She's a game changer. She's an innovator. She is the first. She is doing things that are great. Now, there were eight women who coached in the NFL this season, half in full-time roles and half uh, not in full-time roles. But I think for women who want to penetrate the uh, professional sports market and um, the men's professional sport market can look to Katie as a blueprint of what does it take to get your foot in the door to succeed and thrive and be successful. And so shout out to Katie. If you are listening to this and they won the Super Bowl, then definitely shout out to her for winning in the Super Bowl. But even if they lost, um, the fact that you got there and you helped her team get there is huge. So if you want to follow Katie on Instagram, she's Kate Sowers 5. So that's K-A-T-E-S-O-W-E-R-S and the number five on Instagram. And speaking of Instagram and social media and being innovative, Jumpstart HR is your HR provider for small businesses and startups. If you're listening to this conversation and you have a startup, you have a small business, or you work for one, you can understand that there are challenges that come to small businesses that make it hard for anyone to really nail down the core areas of HR if there isn't the expertise on the team. What are the core areas of HR? For me, I like to think of uh, recruiting, onboarding, employee relations, employee management, HR administration, comp and benefits, and HR strategy. And if you don't have all of those boxes ticked off, then you need to find someone who can help you before you get ticked off. (laughs) So check out jumpstart-hr.com and see how we can help you become a employer of choice. Uh, We have many customers who have been Inc. 5000 winners, customers who have been Best Place to Work winners, and customers who have been uh, Best Christian Workplaces uh, award winners. So if you want to be an employer of choice, if you want to be innovative, why not give us a, a look? Jumpstart-hr.com slash contact and schedule your 15-minute appointment today. All right. So this week on While You Were Working, we're turning our attention to an article. And before I get into that article, I, again, want to uh, acknowledge the fact that many of us are still grieving over this uh, Kobe Bryant situation um, and the passing of him. And I feel like this will happen for uh, days and weeks and months to come. I mean, the investigation for the helicopter crash is still undergoing. He's going to be admitted in the Hall of Fame for the National Basketball Association. And there's just going to be so many things that will happen throughout even the year where we're going to be looking back and paying homage to Kobe Bryant. And so I thought that because we would be in this long standing season of grief, uh, I thought it would be important to share an article that you may have missed while you were working called How to Cope at Work When You're Grieving a Loved One's Death. And so sorry, this isn't the uh, happy-go-lucky episode, but um, I wanted to run through some things that this article points out as far as how to cope at work when you're grieving a loved one's death. And this can be found on the blog titled Very Well Mind. So this is verywellmind.com. Um, we'll have a link to it in the show notes. But with um, how to cope at work when you're grieving a loved one's death, this is important be- for a few reasons. 
One, it's important because you, first of all, performance aside, (laughs) you have to make sure that you're okay. You are the only one who can speak to the level of uh, self-care you need, the level of self-repair you need. And if you are realizing that, hey, I think I need to take a beat, spend some time, regroup, regather before I can even focus on what's next, uh, you need to do that. And there are policies, both required by law and that companies do as far as bereavement policies to help you during the difficult process of grief. But you have to have the courage and you have to take advantage of that. It's not courageous to try to go onward soldier and think you're okay when you're not because what happens is the grief will just compound and you realize that you're just going to take it out uh, on something later on down the road, whether that's through stress eating, whether that's through depression, whether that's through uh, violent blowups on people. Um, and so it's always important, and, and this is why the uh, Business Life and Coffee Show exists, is to help people find that balance between work and the rest of the things in our lives. And one of those rest of our things is dealing with loved ones who pass away. And so uh, I'm just going to run down a few things here, uh, some highlight things that they talk about in the article, as well as my thoughts on it. So the first thing that it says for coping with grief at work is uh, don't assume other coworkers know you're grieving. Now, in a uh, even in an instance with like this, where we're talking about a public figure that has passed away, uh, don't assume that your coworkers understand the impact that this public figure has on your life. And then more importantly, if you are grieving a, a loved one who's a family member or a friend or a colleague, never underestimate that uh, or never expect that people know that you're grieving. And uh, so you should communicate that to them. You should inform your coworkers and say, hey, you know, this is a, a rough season for me. I recently just lost uh, this person who's close to me. Or, you know, man, I'm really taking the passing of this public figure very hard. Uh, and, and it's because of X, Y, Z. And so there's a few ways, you know, you can tell people, whether it's through social media, whether it's through uh, sending a text to your boss, whether it's just going into their office and asking, hey, can I just get a few minutes of your time to tell you where my head's at? You want to make sure that you're adequately communicating that you're grieving so people can know how to uh, connect with you and relate with you. Um, the golden rule says, you know, treat people the way that you want to be treated. But the platinum rule is to treat people the way that they want to be treated. And so as you talk with people who are in your center of influence and you tell them, hey, you know, I'm grieving, tell them how you want to be treated or, or how they can expect to relate with you while you're grieving. And the next thing is um, you want to plan your escape route. This is what it says. Uh, Many American Westerns glorify or idealize characters that can cope with any adversity without showing the slightest expression of emotion, including after a death occurs. When you return to the office or work after a loved one dies, however, please understand that you are not a cowboy in a movie. In other words, don't expect that you can always hide your grief during the workday. Wow. That is so true. Again, we feel like it's a badge of honor to conceal our emotions and conceal how we're feeling. But true uh, healing, true growth, 
true recovery, true coping comes from being able to share our feelings. And uh, this is what having an escape route means. Having an escape route means that you are in a position to identify your feelings, know when they're surfacing, and then being able to move on and uh, whether it's dismiss yourself from a meeting or uh, step away into a um, bathroom or in an empty hallway or closing the door in your office if you have one. It is okay to exit for a period of 10, 20 minutes or so. Take that time that you need, recover, and then go back into uh, yourself. Again, check out this article, How to Cope at Work When You're Grieving a Loved One's Death. There are plenty other tips that they give, and I don't want to give it all away. I want you to go and check out the article. But very well, mine. Thank you for this piece on how to cope at work when you're grieving a loved one's death. And again, we have those links for this article in our show notes. All right. uh, Our next advertising break is brought to you by Patreon. And this is a call to really help support the show, but not only support the show, but find a way to connect with me so that I can give you value as well. On the Patreon page, you will see different levels, different tiers for you to support the show. And in exchange, you'll get from me articles that will help you be smarter about your day, smarter about your finances, smarter about your life, your fitness, your health. Uh, I'm always on the look for, and my team is always on the look for, articles that help bring life hacks into your day and make your life run more efficient and effective. And there's also an opportunity to do a hangout with me and talk about your career, talk about your business. Um, There are things that you can get by putting into the Patreon that you wouldn't get otherwise. So uh, head on over to Patreon. That's patreon.com backslash BLC for your opportunity to uh, support the show and for my opportunity to uh, invest in you as well. So thank you so much if you signed up for Patreon. And um, yeah, that is our, our request, our big ask. All right, so Coffee Shop Q&A. Coffee Shop Q&A is a segment where we dive right into mentorship, either with a guest interview, a topic I've been thinking about lately that I wanna share, or responding to your questions. And if you have a question that you want me to answer on the show, you can reach me at jprice at jumpstart-hr.com, or you can send me a tweet or DM at joeyvpricehr on Twitter or Instagram. And I've got those links in the show as well. So this one is a follow-up to last week's episode about strengths and hiring off of personality uh, assessments and whether you should do that. And I won't recap what we talked about in the last episode, but this episode, a logical follow-up is probably, man, um, should I focus on growing my strengths Or should I focus on building my weaknesses as I seek to become a better leader in this year? Well, so there are many schools of thought on that. There are different books, there are different speakers, there are different courses, different trainings, different schools of thought about whether you should build up your strengths or you should focus on your weakness. And this is a super important question to answer and really nail down for a few reasons. First of all, 
You want to determine what skills you need to grow in order to reach your goals. So you need to do an inventory of yourself, um, your a skills inventory, and figure out what is holding me back from being more successful uh, as a leader, as a person, as a husband, in fitness goals, career goals, financial goals, what have you. So you need to be able to uh, determine what skills you need to grow in order to reach your goals. Another uh, reason why you should pay attention to this conversation is because when you think about building out a team, you need to figure out which new team members to recruit or promote. And more specifically, what skills you need to be looking for in those team members so that they can complement your team that you're looking to build and grow. So you need to make sure that you've got uh, the right team assembled. And lastly, look, if you want to uh, stop failing in life or running up against the same hurdles and roadblocks that block your success, you've got to figure out a way through. And um, when you do that and you figure out what to be better at, you'll get more time in your day because you're either deciding that you need to be smarter, better, faster in a skill, or you need to delegate or outsource it to someone else who can do it um, with expediency. And um, you don't even have to develop that skill. So if you want to focus on your strengths or build your weaknesses, my thought is that you need to focus on your strengths. That's right. You should focus on your strengths. And uh, here's why. One of my mentors, he, he gave me this, uh, this um, tool. Uh, he said, hey, look at the 100% of things that you do. And so map out all of your job duties and even map out your strengths and your weaknesses. And so of the things that you do in a given day or in your role, if you're a leader, uh, it's likely that about 75% of it can be delegated away with minimal instruction. So 75% of what you do can be just delegated with minimal instruction. There's probably somebody uh, that can do it and they don't even need extra training because you're probably doing a lot of routine, mundane things that require you to, that just require more time than uh, knowledge and insight. So that's 75%. And then there's another 20% of what you do that can be delegated with more involved coaching, training, oversight. So these are the things that you do that may be a little more advanced, but there's still things that if you find someone who can do it, even at least 50% as good as you, your organization will be okay because you have found someone who can take on a responsibility that will free your time up to focus on what? The remaining 5%. And that remaining 5% is literally only the things that you can do. And so when you think about the 75 that can be delegated with minimal instruction, the 20% that can be delegated with a little bit more instruction and the 5% of what you can do, that's going to be your sweet spot. And for me, I think that sweet spot is so incredibly important because that is your secret sauce. That's the core of your DNA. That's what makes you successful and thrive and grow. Um, for me, I think my 5% is uh, taking really complex issues and uh, simplifying them or uh, solving business challenges for my HR customers. And that means that probably in the 75% bucket is the accounting or the 20% bucket is the uh, sales 
aspect of my business. I like focusing on the thing that I know that I can do because that's going to allow me to make sure that I am adding value where possible um, in the greatest way and having the most impact. So that's the first thing that I think you should do is to map out your job duties. Second thing, once you've laid out all those things and perhaps you've put them into the 75 and the 20% and the 5% bucket, ask yourself, what's the ROI on growing your weaknesses? Are you only going to be as good as competent or do you think that you can be uh, that you can grow your weaknesses and make them a huge strength? Um, there's a strong chance that weaknesses are only going to um, have a minimal ROI because um, that's that's not innate. It's not your main thing. It's not how you're wired. It's not what you want to do. So, for example, I mentioned earlier or uh, I mentioned that I, I love um, Kobe Bryant. I'm grieving over his loss. And if I were to say, oh, I want to in turn become a basketball player. Well, there's a lot that I'd have to do and learn and grow in order for me to be a basketball player. I'm not going to focus on growing that weakness um, like I would perhaps um, talking fitness here. I'm not going to grow that weakness as much as I will maybe uh, increasing my capacity for cardio or my capacity for lifting weights, because those are things that uh, I've got experience with and I'm, I've been more successful there with my fitness goals. And so I'm going to focus on the next thing, which is identifying the ROI of growing my strengths. And if it's something that you're strong at, you probably love doing it. And so not only are you going to invest the time, but you're going to have fun investing the time because you're going to see a multiple time growth of your of your um, strengths. So once you've done all that, you've uh, mapped out your job duties, you identify the ROI of growing your weaknesses, you identify the ROI of growing your strengths. Um, if you're talking from a work perspective, the last thing I think you should do is identify which duties to delegate or outsource. So going back to that whole 75, 20%, 5%, put those things together and start figuring out what to delegate to your team, um, what to outsource, uh, what new talent you need to acquire onto your team to uh, address those 75% things, those 20% things. I want you to be successful and I want you to grow and I want to make sure that you have what it takes to lead. And I believe that's starting with leading from your strengths. So... Let me know what your thoughts are. If you think you should uh, grow your weaknesses, let me know. If you think you should uh, grow your strengths, let me know. I hope that you've gotten value from this episode. And if you have, why not leave a five-star review on iTunes? And you can subscribe on iTunes, uh, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. And you can find us online on radio in 12 U.S. cities. So this has been another episode of the Business Life and Coffee Show. Hope you had a great week and I will see you next week.